Nation. Hello and welcome to another episode of Your Average Critics, joined as usual by Chris and Obi. How are you both? Yeah, not too bad. How are you? All right, thanks. Yeah, I'm all good. Uh, we've had... Good. You're, you're still showing mute on my screen, so how are you spoke is, is uh, magical. Um, we've had three episodes of Moonlight since uh, we last spoke, so there's a fair amount to catch up on. Um, we are also at the point where... Uh, all, they, they screened the first four episodes for critics, um, so we're now in no one knows territory. Uh, um, do you guys want to start there, or is there any film news that you guys want to discuss? Um, I feel like I don't know how much we want we, to talk we, about. We could we could just, we could yeah, discuss the, the uh, pushback of a twice um, the Sony film. Oh yeah, so uh, the Into the Spider Verse Part One and Two. Um, has been pushed back. So we'll actually get uh, Craven the Hunter before that. Um, so that'll be the next film in the Sony Spider-Verse. I mean, we've got Aaron Taylor-Johnson as Craven, I believe. Um, being another person to have two roles within the kind of wider Marvel canon. Uh I don't know much about this film. I don't really know how uh, excited to get, but but based on Sony's individual track record, not very. I don't know if you guys have any uh, particular thoughts one way or another about Craven the Hunter. I don't care. I'm not going to lie. I still watch it, obviously, but yeah, I don't actually (laughs) don't care. Yeah, I'm impartial to it. Do they need... uh, they need a Feige. I mean, Warner Brothers have had a reshuffle and they're looking to, um, you know, rejig their DC kind of output. Uh, and they've kind of suggested something similar, like having an overarching Feige-style figure. Um, I think I might need it you... after uh, Ezra Miller getting arrested. Again. Or, again, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> well, they were kind of using Flash to, you know, rejig and... Um, soft reboot quite a lot, but they might have to do that to the Flash himself. I don't know what what, what do you reckon his arrest means for the film? Like well, um I was gonna say they put apparently they were having like um they put all projects relating to the flash obviously after the film relating to the flash like on hold till they kind of like discuss whatever's going on. I think he's gonna get recast, to be honest, probably. Because it's like a good few instances now in like the past maybe year and a half and it seems like he's kind of like not well mentally potentially so I think he probably the guy probably needs some help to be honest um, but what if it means for the film I mean the film's still going to come out I think it's still going to come out when they pushed to when they, when they pushed it back to I don't see any reason why they wouldn't because I think enough time between now and when it is going to come out which I think was like next June or something like that will have passed hopefully without any more <laughs> any future scandals you would think or you would hope anyway but yeah, I reckon his days as the Flash are, are numbered. How key is he in the films of um, uh, the Harry Potter, the new Harry Potter films? Or uh, um, oh, actually, okay, she, yeah, I won't tell you actually because um, but like, it's but like, okay, but he, he has been. Well, I don't care whether Glenn cares. I really don't. Okay, so in the newest one, basically, he's dying. He's about to die. 
Uh, and I don't know if they did that. I don't know if that was a consequence of his of his bullshit um, that he's been doing, or if that's actually what they destined for the character. But one, we can talk about it when I actually what when we actually review it, or when I talk about it. But one of our problems with the film is that they set up the massive cliffhanger of him at the end, and in this one they're like, "Oh yeah, he's dying." I was like, "What?" I don't see that seems quite strange. For the people who haven't watched that film, can you uh, tell me what the cliffhanger at the end was? Too? Oh, so yeah, at the end of the Crimes of Grindelwald, they were so the character's name is Credence. Um, Ezra Miller's character's name is Credence from the first film. He's an obscurist or whatever, which is someone who's like uh, su- uh, suppressed their powers for so long that they become like wildly unpredictable or whatever. Then at the end of the second film, they reveal that he's actually um, a Dumbledore. Um, that I think he is. I think they say. I don't know who you say who they whose son they say he is, but I think they might have say he's Dumbledore's Dumbledore's son or something like that. So obviously he left on this massive cliffhanger. Apparently his real name is Aurelius Dumbledore. And then, uh, spoiler alert for anyone in this next film, um, they find out that he is the son of um, Albus Dumbledore's brother. Uh, I can't remember his name. What's his name? Arbiforth or something, isn't it? Uh, yes, Arbiforth, yeah. He's his son, but Aberforth didn't know about him, um, which is why he like kind of like left him. I suppose. How the too. hell did you remember that name? That is yeah. outrageous. <laughs> I don't know. Well My done. brain stores random shit information. Um, but yeah, and but yeah, basically he's. Um, that was the big cliffhanger. So obviously, like, oh, this is interesting. Even though I was, I was a bit skeptical about whether or not um, Grindelwald was telling the truth when he told him he was a Dumbledore, and then you find out this one, oh, he is, but. It's not quite the lie that you thought it was. And, oh, by the way, he's dying. Um, and I was like, oh, that doesn't really seem right. Because it seemed like a really pretty big plot line. And then this one, probably dead. Next one, is he going to be in it? Probably not. Um, so, yeah, I was curious to know if they, if maybe DC had known about... DC, Warner Brothers had known about some of his um, antics and thought, yeah, we need to kind of cut this guy out. Or if, it, or if this was filmed like long before that, I don't know. I'm not sure. Yeah, Warner Brothers have had some um, bad luck, haven't they? With, mm. uh, with particularly that franchise, um, but obviously Ezra Miller is also in their other big franchise. So mm. yes, um, and obviously the Johnny Depp Amber Heard uh, trial is going on at the moment. Mm. Um, but Amber Heard. Got a lot of. Doesn't say Amber Heard, as far as I'm aware, is still in. Uh, Aquaman 2 um, Johnny Depp was not you know <coughs> able to continue as Grindelwald um, have, have you um, have you lot seen any of that trial because uh, it's day 7 now or something because the trial I was watching a bit of it today I'm only snippets so I'm not enough to be able to comment on anything with any authority yeah same yeah, yeah. The, we're the, we'd the, have to use allegedly all the time <laughs> Yeah, literally, literally. <laughs> um, uh, but yeah, oh, so, I mean... Um, Obi- go on, yeah, no, go on, no. I was going to say, Obi can, can tell us when he reviews... Uh, the oh, I'll, ask him my question. I'll ask him my question when he reviews it then. Okay, well, I was going to say he can let us know if if, if he thinks there's going to be a fourth, because I don't know if the box office uh, is going to warrant one. Mm. Um, but yeah, I mean... so. I think I posed this question in the chat uh, a couple of weeks ago. If you were, Warner Brothers came to you, each of you, and said, you're going to be my Kevin Feige. You're, the DCEU is yours. The DC characters. 
what are you going to do? Are you getting Grant Gustin as the DCEU Flash? Are you... Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm not going to give you suggestions. Like, Obi, you go first. Um, what would you do if you were Obi Feige? Um, I think my main thing would be is to you have to decide what you want to do with this universe um, because it just seems kind of like that DC is kind of like all over the place a lot of the time and they don't really know what vision they really want to go with. Um, if you want to do the multi-first thing, do it, but do it with conviction. Um, decide what characters you want to keep, what actors you want to keep definitively um, and let us know kind of like what angle you're going to take. Like, is Ben Affleck still going to be Batman? No? Okay, cool. Make that clear and then move on from there. Is Henry Cavill still going to be Superman? No? Yes? Make that clear. If they are, then I think I saw the thing saying that they were looking at, like, revamping the DCEU, da-da-da-da. And I'm like, if you're going to do that, start fresh, cancel everything and start again, in my opinion. Don't let anything get all, like, yeah, jumbled up and whatever. If you're going to, like, re- revamp it in inverted commas, then do that. If you want to do the multiverse thing, do that. But you you can get people with different um, creative uh, ideas, I suppose, for different universes, but just make sure that those people are actually allowed to execute the vision that they have for the universe. One of the biggest things for DC is that their stu- the studios and people behind the scenes get involved with the creative people on the rise and everything. Like, we've seen it with Zack Snyder, with David Ayer, I think, um, uh, what's it called? Uh, James Gunn was the only seems recently James Gunn's the only one who's been able to have full creative control over the Suicide Squad and Peacemaker and those are both pretty um, successful I would say and well received amongst audiences um, so yeah I think that's my main thing because obviously it's it's all well and good being like oh yeah we need a Kevin Feige we need a Kevin Feige which is also one of my suggestions but like I imagine Kevin Feige's don't grow on trees you know so I think it's just important to have somebody yeah. who understands the source material for a start and also understands how to produce good films because I for one don't mind like for example people some people say oh yeah let Zack Snyder do that role and I wouldn't agree with that because um, although I think Zack Snyder has a lot of cool ideas I don't think that he's the best maker of like he's not the best filmmaker I think that someone like Kevin Feige has, has shown that he has a vision and a plan that he's willing to execute and he's also willing to take his time to execute that. I think DC needs to not rush um, and then be willing to actually, you know, grow out this universe. If we are going to go from, if we, are, if we aren't going to start from scratch and we're going to keep the things that we do have and maybe act on the things we don't have, then okay, fine, do that. But try and make these films in a way that doesn't, they don't isolate themselves from each other and they don't contradict each other. I remember, like, I was talking about Wonder Woman and yeah. saying Wonder Woman 84 and that, like, some of the things that happened in that contradict what happened in Batman vs. Superman. And why, why, why should that even happen? Like, the, the, like things like that jar me. Like, if you're going to do it continuity-wise, then do it like that. Don't end up like X-Men where the continuity is just all over the fucking gaff. Like, you know, we just need some, we need cohesion, I think, is the main thing. And then we need good writers and then go from there. Agreed. I think... I think the, the the difference between Zack Schneider and Kevin Feige is Zack Schneider is a director and Kevin Feige is purely just a producer. Mm. So 
he's he's like hiring the right directors and the right writers and giving them chance to I guess breathe like the Russos had such an important like run of four films didn't they um mm. culminating in Endgame and, and they've obviously kept Ryan Coogler for Black Panther but they chose to go in a different direction after Thor 2 so they got Taika Waititi and that was successful so yeah they just need someone like a puppet master so I agree with that so would you have like I don't know like the Joker and the the Matt Reeves Batman would that be like a Justice League dark and that's its own little section and or Um, not necessarily Justice League dark I think well in general Justice League dark I think is supposed to be like more like mystical characters like Constantine and people like that um but I would combine those into that same universe you have that be your dark gritty universe because they both set up in ways that like oh okay that's the kind of that's the version of Gotham that is pretty fucked up and there's no it's pretty bleak I think those two films match each other quite well and then you can use that to kind of set up maybe your more grounded characters maybe your your human characters that kind of like um are a bit more relatable i think those can be in the same universe um and then you could have maybe a separate universe where things are maybe a bit more fantastical your wonder woman's your flashes your you know green lanterns and things like that um and if you wanted to you know cross them over and see how you know this gritty character works with this fantastical character then you could do that because there's a multiverse like that's completely possible Um, but I couldn't really ask any more questions on it because I didn't hear most of it um, so I apologise but uh, Chris I'll come to you so I hope you've had a chance to think so yeah thanks Obi um, that was a thoroughly detailed and wonderful uh, <laughs> <laughs> soliloquy <laughs> uh, oh, Chris Chris Feige what would you do? Uh, I think it's a tricky one because I think they've got some good pieces uh, to a puzzle, but they, I think they've kind of destroyed a lot of it um, because I think personally, so I would have someone, how do I put this? I would have someone who's like the puppet master, kind of like Kevin Feige, but like I would say to each individual writer or uh, director, they've got a trilogy and they've got to work out their trilogy because I think the way and I only go for this because of Star Wars. The way Star Wars trilogy went was, for me, really bad because they didn't have a cohesive storyline between each of the films. Um, slightly different because, obviously, uh, there's one main villain throughout three films, whereas in these films, in these trilogies, I assume there would be several different villains. I would love, if I was in control, to keep Ben Affleck, to keep Henry Carvel, to keep blah, 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 even though... I've already slandered every Henry Carvel uh, Superman film there's been. Um, and probably I've slandered Zack Schneider. I'd probably have liked to have seen his final product of it all. Um, I don't know. Like I think they've dug themselves too many holes to continue with this storyline. But then I don't think they've got enough of a back-in to go and start again. So I think they would have to continue from where they've got, where, they, where we are now. Um I guess Ezra Miller's character is, is quite easily replaceable with Flashpoint, but it's not because he would be the main protagonist into making Flashpoint happen, and he can't suddenly just change his characteristics 
through going flashpoint, I don't think. Uh, so I think he's the, I think he was a pivotal part and he's kind of messed it up for them. Uh, but I'd love to see it thrive because I would personally, I think how well the animated series, the animated films are done, or in my mind, how well the animated series are perceived. I think if they based films surely off of them, they would do so well. Or an overarching story, i.e. Thanos is the overarching story. If they had an overarching story like that, uh, which they do because they have dark side, but if they did it a bit, they needed to do it better. There needed to be like snippets of him in, in all parts of the of the universe and there wasn't that's my personal opinion i could be talking absolute garbage but like i think superman i think i think i've always said this or i said this a lot superman is a very hard character to pin down and make like a really good concept for purely because he's so strong and would i want to see an early day superman potentially but we've got that in smallville but then if you could wrap it up in a film, that would be pretty nifty. And then obviously you've got all these side films that are going off. So yeah, like you said, you guys love Batman. Great film. Would I want to see that Batman now? Or could I see that Batman in the future? Essentially. But then that's, that series of films, I feel like there's going to be uh, continuity issues with the whole Joker aspect of it. Although I feel like the angle they're going for is that Joker from the Joker from Joker is essentially the pioneer for the Joker now, if they were to link the universes. Um, so yeah, in all honesty, I have no idea. I think they really genuinely have messed themselves up because like for most people, uh, what's the name? Gal Gadot is mm-hmm. great as Wonder Woman. Like a lot of people were like, yeah, great, great casting. Second film, yeah, wasn't wasn't my vision of great, and then it would kind of contradict what I said, isn't it? Isn't it the same lady who did the first and the second film? Yeah, Patty Jenkins. So like that would contradict what I'm saying. Like her, because uh, uh, but then if it was well received in in a monetary factor, factor, then totally different story, isn't it? Um, Suicide Squad. It wasn't James Gunn the first one, was it? No. But the second one. They put him in and he did he did a revamp. So I don't know, like but then 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 there's like a flip side of it all, like Justice League, the first one that came out, every, a lot of people disliked it. I didn't think it was that bad. I think it got a lot more stick than it needed to. I think there were holes in it. And I think the comedy that was brought to it was hit or miss for some people. And I think that's because they obviously brought in what's his face, um, to do the extra parts. Josh Wedding. Then begs the question: Should it be funnier? Like, like the like Marvel tried to do with some of the characters. Should it be funnier? Mm, I'm not sure it should. However, Shazam, I think, pulls it off quite well, being the funny aspect of it. But then I, I think, again, and it's like you've got to take the characteristics of each character when you do the, when you make this assessment. Shazam's character is a child, so it's kind of got to be a bit funnier, I think, and not so serious. But I don't know if I've answered your question. I've just rambled on about DCU, if I'm honest. Um, <laughs> I guess if if you both had the answer to the question, then you should be earning the amount of money that Kevin Feige makes. So it's a difficult uh, question. Swing it my way. Swing it my I was, way. I was going to say as well, like, I feel if you're going to, you know, try and start this again, um, obviously I know Chris, and I actually agree with 
with part of what you said about Superman films being hard to kind of nail down. But I think Superman should be your bread and butter. Like, that's like, apart from Batman, it's probably the most popular superhero ever, like, in the world. Like, everyone knows who Superman is, kind of thing. Like, that should be what your aim to nail that film. Because I think if you can, even though I like the, the take that Zack Snyder did on which is a bit darker, I think if you can name, nail a Superman film that is, like, for lack of a better word, like, that fills you with hope, then I think that will get so many people back on board to um, DC films again. Because I think as well as these films needing for people to, like, like them critically, these films need to make money as well. Like, there are, like Suicide Squad, even though people really, really liked it, didn't make money. I know it was in pandemic, but still, like, didn't really make money. Um, Birds of Prey, people, I think, critically was well-received, didn't make money either. So I think people have kind of, like, lost trust in DC films as they yeah. are right now. So I think you kind of need to get people back on board, and I think the best way of doing that is to get a Superman film and do it right. Yeah, so I mean, I'm... Wonder Woman 2 didn't even make its budget back. Mm, did it go. actually not? Wait, no. when did it get released? When did it get released, though? December uh, 2020? Yeah. December 2020, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, see, that, them ones that kind of put a 50-50 mark on, like, can they really make their money back, or were they foolish to put it even out in the ether in the first place? Yeah. But I think DC do something that, again, I'm going to contradict myself with this statement, because obviously you're never going to know, and uh, hindsight's a beautiful thing, but, like, I feel like they do something well where they get, they make a character really beloved by people, like, for example, Harley Quinn. People love that Margot Robbie was the was Harley Quinn, and I think people actually. I don't. Maybe you guys are different, and maybe I feel a bit different. But I feel like an, overall she was a great pick for Harley Quinn, and mm-hmm. I think then they tried to do Birds of Prey with her in, and I think they ran with something that not many people know or really give a damn about, and it kind of blew up in their face. Whereas on the flip side, they ran with a character that everyone really likes, Joker. And it did really well. So I think I can't make a comment, but I feel like they've gone, they went so far left or right or whatever you say is the saying with the Harley Quinn and Birds of Prey, where they tried to make a character go forward, but no one was really interested. Whereas the Joker, we kind of saw an origin where it's something that we actually as an audience kind of interested to see because comic wise, I don't, well, for me, uh, not an avid comic reader, but someone who drops in and out of comics. I've never personally read one like about solely about the origin of Joker. I'm sure there's plenty out there. I'm sure there's plenty. But like, I think they, yeah, I think they do need someone over the top to say, good idea, but it's not a good idea for now. Because like, Birds of Prey is like, kind of like, again, sorry, any Marvel or DC fans who disagree kind of like the Ant-Man of the Marvel Universe. Could have a bit of substance, but no one really asked for it. You know what I mean? Mm. I could be wrong wrong here. I want to slightly disagree with you, even though I understand the point you're making and it does make sense, kind of like having, you kind of think, oh, why Harley Quinn film kind of thing um, and kind of taking it that bit further. But I think Harley Quinn was a, definitely a, um, what's it called? A... Um, a victim of how bad the DCEU, like the reputation for it was, I think, because I think that film, again, critically, was people, I think, enjoyed that film at least, but it didn't make, again, it didn't make money, and this was before pandemic, I'm pretty sure, 
it didn't mm, make yeah. money because people didn't want to people did not want to go to see it and like in a in a in a world where you have a successful film and people two characters for example if in a world where Suicide Squad was successful the first one people really like Deadshot people really like Harley Quinn so to especially Harley Quinn so then it does again make sense for you to then go and do a Harley Quinn spin-off because she's such a popular character like people love her it doesn't make sense when the film is bad. <laughs> I also think, like, Chris touched on it, the difference between Joker and Birds of Prey is Joker was an origin story and was solely about the Joker, whereas Birds of Prey was predominantly about Harley Quinn, but still not totally. And Harley Quinn is herself a very interesting character. Like, her backstory is tied, as far as I'm aware, to the Joker, um, so if we'd seen a film where she started in Arkham and like, even if you don't see the Joker, but like she, you know, her mental state changed and then she became Harley Quinn, or even if the film was just about Harley Quinn herself. And I think what DC have a tendency to do is to just throw loads of characters in to one film. Um, even the Shazam film has quite a lot of like other supporting characters and the main characters end up getting lost. Whereas when they've just, like really focused in on Joker and the Batman and you know they're they're better I don't know if that would have made any difference because Harley Quinn's got interesting storylines in the animation series with Poison Ivy um you know that would be interesting keep make it about her and then maybe bring in Poison Ivy or and then later down the line you can bring in the other birds of prey but they sort of have this obsession with like ensemble team-ups and it's like uh, we'll quickly introduce you to this one and then here's everyone else Yeah, I agree. Yeah, I mean, this is this is why when I made my comment earlier, I was saying like hindsight's a beautiful thing because obviously it's a great idea to sh- shove loads of these characters in together. But um, yeah, I think they've just been to their own demise, and I think the problem, uh, actually, a major major problem they've had is that they've always tried to kind of catch up with Marvel, mm. and I think they should just set their own timeline. Mm. It doesn't matter if you get dobbed oh, you copied Marvel by having this big bad at the end of it. Because, and again, if people listening to this haven't any angst about it, I apologise. But hasn't that been the running thing with the comics for years? Like, mm. you know, like one big bad Thanos, one big bad uh, Dark Side. You've got uh, The Flash, you've got Quicksilver, Hawkeye, Green Arrow. It's pretty uh, much yeah. This is pretty much the premise of like any antagonistic TV show ever. <laughs> you work towards the bad guy at the end. Yeah, and I mean, like we we said it at the time that when you know our first few episodes when we were talking about Justice League being was it the third film in the yeah. DC EU? And you're like, huh? We've not even had an Aquaman or a Wonder Woman solo film by this point. I don't think. I think it was the fourth film actually. Oh, the fourth. Okay, yeah. but still, yeah, you, you didn't have. They were just like shit. Uh, the Avengers did so well, and uh, you know, we've got Infinity War coming out. Well, okay, we just need to put a team up. It's like, well, we've not been introduced to these characters yet. I don't worry, we'll do it in a two-hour film. Uh, crazy. I mean, Warner Brothers have got a problem in that there are already three Batman, I think, because Michael Keaton's coming back for the Batgirl series oh, yeah. and for Flashpoint. Uh, you've got three Jokers. Um, you know, it's 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 getting crazy, and the difficulty is is they've used so many of their big characters 
that, I mean, in my opinion, they kind of need to take a break from those characters um, or continue with some of the threads they've already built, such as Robert Patterson's Batman. But, you know, you can't really recast Wonder Woman at this point because it's too soon. You can't really, I mean, you could recast The Flash, I guess, but the thing is they're going to have to redo their existing properties. Um, Whereas I think, you know, Marvel maybe had, like, the opportunity to to flesh out some lesser-known characters and make them big, and then they're still... There's still characters that um, Marvel fans are like, when are we going to see this person and uh, that person? I mean, you know, I guess they they could focus on Green Lantern because that's not been done well and um, was not really a focus of of the Snyder Cut. So that's Mm -hmm. maybe an angle they could go. But I would personally have like a grounded Gotham style uh, section of the franchise, Batman with Joker and Harley Quinn and all of that kind of more grounded realism stuff and then have the, like, I think OBU was saying as well, like the Superman stuff and then like Batman can come in for team months, but they just need to, they just need to take a breath, not release anything for a bit yeah. and be like, right, what direction are we going yeah. in? Don't, yeah. Don't rush is the, is the most important thing. Like, also, I've, I I think that, sorry, sorry you finish with your phone. No, up, that's it. I was just going to say, don't rush. Oh, well, I think, I think they're like their own, they're, they're, they're their own problem as well. Like, they trip over themselves quite a bit. So, uh, what I mean by that, like, for example, where do I start? So, I think back in the back when Flash or Arrow first started, they weren't allowed to use Batman in the CW shows. Mm. Um, and the CW shows, I feel like back then, even maybe slightly now, because they must get some good traction, because, uh, there's petitions all over the all online to keep uh legends going like that's crazy mm. um but like they stopped the property the property that was in fact promoting them from promoting them even further i know there's some conflict because if the cw show suddenly gets this wowie batman and it's like damn we wish we had that batman they could always nab it but I feel like they stopped themselves a lot. So they stopped themselves with um, Teen Titans. There was a storyline there that we got that got messed up completely. I don't know what reason. I don't know if you guys know the reason, but like that show has not, for me, maybe different for others, not taken off as well as I originally thought it would. And it's just not very good. <laughs> well, there's that and. CW shows did really well at one point and mm. could have been the real focus point to drive people going to watch the movies, but they just kind of just let it lay flat and like nothing come of it. I don't know. I had a bit better point. I forgot it and I just kind of rambled. So just it's, it's interesting that, you know, you talk about CW shows because they did literally build like a multiverse yeah. within the CW and they done that before Marvel got to that, and yeah. Marvel are now releasing TV shows, which you know we'll talk about Moon Knight in a sec. Um, but you know, you guys were really engaged with Arrow and Flash and uh, oh, yeah, Legends I for like say, sorry, several quickly, series. Quickly, Glenn, sorry, I just want to say before I, I just want to get out before we finish your point. Um, the height of these CW shows for me is definitely way higher than any of the MCU shows so far. Sorry, mm. just to get that out. Continue. Yeah, so even, so like, even Agents of Shield. Yeah, what 
It should. What? Way better. Oh, no, oh. I don't mean... Sorry, I mean the MCU TV shows. Not the... Not Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I mean, the ones they started bringing out like from one division onwards. Oh, uh, right. Yeah. But that's that's something that... I don't know whether CW is owned by Warner, I don't know, but... Um, I think it is. Oh, okay. Because they had that. They had good properties, which there was an advantage that they had over Marvel. And like you're saying, you know, not being able to use Batman or even say his name, I think, um, for a point. Mm. Like, it just... It really... Um, shackles you and uh and they, yeah they just mess themselves up all over the place um like you said that the titans show is is hot better trash and uh i've not continued watching it and yeah they just i don't know we spent quite a long time talking about warner so um that's free just, advice just for one, you just, there, just one, more, one more question for obi because would you take would you uh, would you be okay with them swapping in grant gustin for ezra miller um, also, Glenn, you are more than welcome to answer this, but um, <laughs> just quickly, am I echoing? Just want to know. I'm not. No, you're okay. fine. Cool. Um, but oh, would I would I take it? Yeah, I would because I like Grant Gustin. I think he's a good Flash. Even though I haven't watched Flash for a good while now. Um, but I would think I'd prefer them to cast someone completely different. I think. Because I only just thought of it because obviously in the uh, Flash TV team, Multiverse, didn't Ezra Miller turn up, didn't they? So, oh, yeah. yeah they're right. kind of interlinked them already. So. Mm. But then yeah. could you ha- could you also then have the TV series? Mm. Probably not on the same level as a movie, is it? Well, yeah, especially I think the, that... Especially the acting they do. Yeah, I would think if you're Grant Gustin and you get offered the chance to be the Flash in the film, you're thinking, fuck the TV series. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, true. True. Right. Well, from one uh, superhero TV show to another, uh, we've got three episodes of. Oh, uh, quickly, again. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Before we get into Moon Knight, um, do you want to quickly talk about the Thor trailer? Oh yeah, <laughs> we got that, didn't we? Yeah. Um, I'm pretty sure we've also had like three uh, Doctor Strange two trailers. I was say, we've definitely had a new Doctor Strange. I've stopped, I've stopped yeah. watching them because I don't want them to get. I don't want to get spoiled for anything. I've stopped watching. Okay. Well, we won't talk about that then. I was going to say I don't think I've watched the last one, but I don't think it had too much more. Oh, it had one bit that really pissed me off actually. Yeah, I'm still really hyped for that film. Then it comes out in like three weeks. Is it three weeks today? Two weeks today. Two weeks today. Oh yeah. Christ. <sighs> oh. Um, right, what are we talking about? Law, 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 <laughs> law, Southern Thunder. Um, <laughs> yeah, whatever that film's called. Uh, Thor Four, the first time Marvel have actually released a forkful, um, which is interesting. <laughs> no, I don't think anyone would have better would have been Thor. Um, but yes, uh, there's been lots uh, in the Twitter sphere, uh, particularly for the people I follow, um, about the lack of trailer. And any promo for this. Um, we finally got one a couple of days ago. It was only a minute and a half, I think, if that. And uh, we it starts with Thor running through some woods from and kind of progressing in age. And uh, we see a clip of him and Korg in front of some massive ice monster-looking thing. I'm kind of just jumping around whatever I remember from it. Um, we see uh, some of the Guardians, um, and there's a bit of jokey banter between Thor and Star-Lord. There's goats pulling a chariot. We see a bit of New Asgard uh, 
on Earth with Valkyrie, and um, I'm sure I've missed loads, but then it ends with uh, Jane, the Mighty Thor. So, yeah, it didn't really give us too much. Um, the music they used over the top of it was good. We didn't see any of Christian Bale as God the God Butcher, really much in the way of what's going to happen. There was a glimpse of Fat Thor training, um, presumably mm. to become, you know, sexy Thor. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I was a bit like, oh, we waited so long for for that but it is i mean it's a teaser we'll, we'll probably get a second one probably after the credits of uh dr strange 2 let's oh don't because i said that to obi and i really hope that's not true no 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 there's too much going on with dr strange 2 to have a have a second trailer as a uh, second thing as a trailer no i'm not <laughs> i would not allow it uh, okay no but i mean yeah i mean your thoughts on on the trailer is there any key points of it that i missed you want to go sort of um, yeah, no, I think you got all the points, to be fair. Um, I don't know if you mentioned we see Zeus and Olympia or Olympus, I think. Oh, yeah. Um, so I'm looking forward to that. I think, I think Russell Crowe's playing Zeus as well. So mm-hmm. yeah. that'll be interesting. And we saw the table where um, a Valkyrie's having a little bit of a polit- political debate about... Um, uh, New Asgard. Uh, not about... I think she's... T- yeah, it is about New Asgard, but I think it's about... Is it like about the ecosystem or something? Uh, about renewable energy or something the meeting's about? She looks bored as... Renewable energy? Yeah. Well, I don't know that. Oh, no, no idea. No, no, wait, let me... What does it say in the background? It says energy something in the background. Oh, right. Didn't okay. Good spot. Mm. Uh, I can't take any credit. I watched. I literally watched a video about 24 Easter eggs in the fourth trailer. <laughs> Or actually, how how I should pronounce it, four. Four. <laughs> I just say four and four the same. The same. I, I literally my tongue can't do it properly. Yeah, well, they probably missed know. a trick, like you know, not doing a better play on words there. Four um, squared. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, Obi, your thoughts on on the trailer? Or the yeah. Teaser? My thoughts on the trailer, yes. I think it was a nice little teaser. Didn't really give anything away. Gave us a little vibe or hint of what this film's going like, gonna to be like, which is basically Thor Ragnarok, but from, like, you know, on steroids. Um, I like the fact that um, Guardians are going to be in it, and I hope they're in it for at least, like, a decent chunk of the film, at least the introduction. Maybe they go and go start their own journey. Um, the bit with... Um, with him and Chris Pratt, where he's staring into Chris Pratt's eyes, I've rewound about 75 times, but it's so, <laughs> but it's so funny. Um, and I don't know, I'm just really, I never thought I would be this excited for a Thor film, because Thor's not really my guy like that. Um, but they've done really well to kind of like revamp this character into someone who I'm really looking forward to seeing on screen again. Um, I think he's the only one to get four films, is that right as well? Yeah. There will um, be a Captain America f- Four, but that it will be with Anthony Mackie. Yes. So yeah. we don't we don't know whether that will be Captain America four or uh, yeah. Anyway, mm. um, as well, I like the um, I think the like the music they chose I think was really good, very very retro, and also I think like visually as well I think this trailer is actually really 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 cool to look at. Obviously, it doesn't seem like any of it's like practical, but you know what they have done I think stunt visually I think it looks stunning, and I'm curious to see what 
um, obviously Thor kind of like saying that he's like going to live a live a life of peace now. So I'm curious to know kind of like what that entails, how long that lasts. Probably won't last very long, um, and kind of like what brings that on. Because obviously at the end of um, Endgame, he kind of says, oh, "I need to forge my own path," um, kind of, and he doesn't want to be king anymore. And in this one, um, we do see him put down his axe, but we also do see him fighting as well. So I don't know if I wonder if he we see him fighting first and then he decides to retire, or he retires first and then comes into fighting. Um, well, Mjolnir's back as well, isn't it? Yes, yeah, Mjolnir's back. Jane Foster looking shredded. Um, she's back as well. I'm curious to see how they bring that into it because I think um, Chris was telling me the other day that they apparently they're going to go through the comic book accurate storyline which I think is her she gets cancer Jane Foster gets cancer and I guess Thor's power save her somehow um, but yeah I'm curious to see how that works itself in uh, see yeah. I got I got that part wrong oh. right so Thor's hammer technically well I don't know if there's two iterations I was watching a video and apparently it clears you of all um, all something within your body which would mean actually it would stop her radiation therapy Mm. But then okay. I assume, as we're a bit more PG, it'll probably heal her. Just thrown out that out there. Right. I was also curious to. That's fair enough. I was also curious to know if this is our Jane Foster that we have seen, or if this is a variant. Okay. Because um, obviously the whole multiverse stuff, maybe I don't know. That might tie in, but maybe um, she cr- maybe she appears c- cracking through the sky like a uh, Michael Keaton did in Morbius. Oh God! Please no. <laughs> Please no. And yeah, man, I'm, I think this this film looks like it's going to be a fun time, and I'm just yeah really looking forward to it. Good. Uh, I didn't wasn't quite so infused, but um, you know, I think I was maybe just disappointed that I was looking forward to the trailer and I didn't get as much as I hoped. But I understand why. Um, your comment on the the visuals of it. Apparently, this film is using um, a newish LED technology. Um, which the Batman also used in another film that uh, is not Marvel, but it's the first Marvel film to use it, and it's a better kind of visualisation of backgrounds, I believe. Um, I'm going to whisper it, but I wish they'd use it for Moon Knight. (laughs) I'm going to be be real, Avatar is fucked. (laughs) (laughs) James Cameron's like using technology he built in like 2013, it's now being released, and he's like, shit, we've already been surpassed. Um, But yeah, I mean, to be fair, I haven't noticed that much dodgy CGI since the first episode of Moon Knight, but we can talk about that in a sec. Um, I don't know if I'm clutching at straws here, but obviously this is the latest or shortest time between any sort of trailer and the film since the MCU began. So it surpassed for uh, The Incredible Hulk, which uh, was a couple of a few months, but obviously that was the first the second iteration uh, film in the MCU I can't remember how second Second. so that's understandable so this is the shortest time between any sort of trailer and the film and I wonder we've because Christian Bale is playing a character called Gore the God Butcher and we are now watching a TV show which heavily features Egyptian gods now oh Din and Zeus are Greek, I believe. Um, so I don't know whether Gore the God Butcher just butchers Greek gods or if he butchers... Oh, did not um, Norse. Norse God. Oh, yeah, he is. Christ. Okay, so maybe Gore 
you know, does he just butcher the Greeks or does he butcher Egyptians and Norse gods as well? So I'm wondering if maybe the reason for the short length of time is because are we going to see something in Moon Knight that might relate to it in terms of gods? I don't know. Is that oh, me? Cool. I hope that's true. I hope that is. I hope that is. I, think, I, I, I just think they just didn't want too much hype around this film before Doctor Strange. Because remember, the timeline's all fucked up. Because this wasn't Doctor Strange when it came out in like Jan or December. Yeah. And like. And I think February. So, huh? In February. Yeah, so like, I feel like as marketing goes, well, maybe they would have done this a bit earlier, but I feel like they want to get the hype of Doctor Strange in before this film. But they've been te- they've been hyping Doctor Strange since Spider Man No Way Home, and that was pre Christmas, you know, because we got the first trailer for it after that film, um, and they've just been slowly building the hype since. So I, I think I'm maybe reaching a bit, but I'm just thinking, you know, particularly the last two episodes of Moon Knight have been heavily god related, uh, albeit Egyptian, but then we've got obviously Zeus. Uh, the Greek god um, in this film who presumably gets offed uh, by Gore the God Butcher. But, yeah, I'm just wondering if that's, you know, related in any way. I don't know. Any final well, thoughts? Well, there's a god in the actual trailer that looks like it's been butchered. Yeah, the big I think... The snow thing is a god, I'm pretty sure. Yeah. yeah. And I'm pretty sure that's Thor's mate. Yeah, uh, kind of re- reminded me of uh, the Star Wars film, the one that's set in snow. Which one's that? A New Hope? You know, the beginning bit. That's Empire, I think. Is it what, Empire? When they're in Hoth? Uh, is that the planet? Yeah. 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 I just got vibes of that. Apparently that's a panel out of one of the comics as well. So that's cool. Good on you, Taika Waititi. So anything else before I try and segue into Moon Knight again? Um... <laughs> <laughs> Um, nah. Okay, so we've got three to catch up on. Um, I will basically do a brief summary of the three episodes and then, you know, you guys can jump in with your thoughts. Um, obviously the fourth one will be most fresh in our mind and probably has the most talking points. But, uh, the second one, second episode, uh, is, is after Stephen Grant fights the jackal in the bathroom, uh, Moon Knight is there. Uh, he's going to the security guy, being like, yeah, look, 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 it's here, it's there. Oh, no, it's not there. Uh, then he finds a storage locker. He speaks with Mark Spector, who confirms his name, uh, says he's the avatar of Konshu. He then meets Layla, who's Mark Spector's wife. She doesn't know about Mark Spector's DID or Stephen Grant's DID, uh, Dissociative Identity Disorder. He then gets arrested and brought in front of Harrow, and uh, who says that he is Conchie's previous avatar. He's chosen to follow Amit uh, to prevent future harm because he thinks, uh, along the lines of Minority Report, that people should be judged before their evil is committed rather than being punished after the fact, uh, which is what Conchie does. So he's trying to find this scarab, to, which leads him to Amit's tomb and resurrects her so he can purge humanity. Layla and Grant are kind of getting away from Harrow. There's another jackal creature. Uh, he then manages to summon Mr. Knight, um, who kind of looks like a white Deadpool, um, but eventually allows Mark Spector uh, 
and Moonlight to take control and fight. Uh, Jackal dies, but Harrow gets a scarab. Uh, Conchu is saying that he will take Layla for his next avatar if Spectre does not stop Harrow. You can tell I'm reading this from somewhere. Um, mm. Then the third episode, uh, Harrow finds the location of Amit's tomb in Egypt. Uh, the end of the second episode ended with Mark Spector and Stephen Grant being in Egypt. Um, then there's a series of blackouts. People are dying in Egypt whilst they're trying to track Harrow's location. Um, Konshu pulls a meeting between the other Egyptian gods to warn them of Harrow's plan, but they bring Harrow in and they're like, Did you do, are you doing this? And he's like, nah. And they're like, all right, cool, see you later. Um, then there's a god Hathor, whose avatar Yatsel tells Mark where she can he can get some information on Amit's tomb, so they have to go and find an old friend of Layla's, um, Anton Mogar, played by Gaspar Uliel, who's since deceased um so then they go there it's all very quick um harrow's there the sarcophagus destroyed but they have to but you know Stephen and layla managed to find out puzzle the uh clue together the MacGuffin together they realize it's a star constellation uh Konshu uses the last of his power to turn back the night sky 2000 years or something like that to find out the location that the constellation is in at the time of Amit's entombment, then he becomes imprisoned into a little statue because of his actions. So Konshu is now not able to possess Stephen and Mark, and they no longer have the powers of healing and protection that he gives them. Uh, then episode four, the most recent one. So Stephen's pretty out. Layla's dragging him through the desert. Uh, they then he then wakes up. They find Amit's tomb. Uh, he realises somehow that the maze, uh, it's a maze in the shape of the Eye of Horus, and so he manages to find the correct route through to the tomb. Uh, they encounter some sort of mummy who's gutting someone, and they fight, which is quite cool. Harrow's there. He reveals that uh, Mark Spectre was at the scene when Layla's father was killed, um, which she didn't know. Uh, then they realised that uh, Amit's last avatar was Alexander the Great, who was Macedonian. Um, they retrieve Amit's little statue, which is called a Bushapti, from inside his throat, the skeleton throat. Uh, then Harrow arrives and shoots Mark, or Stephen, uh, who then uh, promptly wakes up in a psychiatric hospital, populated by people we've seen throughout the series so far. Um, his shrink is Arthur Harrow. Well, you know, looks like Arthur Harrow. Layla is one of the inmates. There's all sorts of iconography around that links to like what we've seen. There's a, a film that he likes to watch where the main character is a, a archaeologist called Stephen Grant. So at this point, we're kind of like, it was all a dream. He used to read Word Up magazine. Um, or it was, you know, is this some sort of like limbo? We don't know. He manages to escape from the shrink's office, uh, finds the sarcophagus, which has Mark Spectre in it. So there are now two physical Oscar Isaacs. Uh, they run past the third one where someone's trying to escape. Um, and then they encounter a big hippopotamus 
And it ends. So, yes. Where do you want to start? Um, I don't know where I want to start, but I just want to say, like, <laughs> if I'm being completely honest, yeah, listening to you um, recap that, I got more and more bored as you kind of went along. I was going to say, that was dead boring, bruv. Like, that just shows like, the series in a nutshell, yeah, isn't it? Not because, like, the way you were telling it was boring, but just I was just thinking about what was happening in the episodes as you were saying that. Saying I was like, well, fucking hell, this wasn't as good as, you know, I'd hoped it would be. Mm. Which, is, which is a shame. Like, I'm still... Don't get me wrong, the show's not bad. I'm still enjoying it to a certain respect, but yeah, I'm not in fully engaged with this like a lot of people are, unfortunately. Where's it falling down for you? Um, where's it falling down for me? I, don't, I just don't really care about like um the characters, really. Like, I, when it started, I thought that, um, oh yeah, I thought, well, I'm going to really like Stephen. He's like, you know, he's a bit of a knob, but he's, like, quite endearing, like, and then, I don't know, I think the constant switching between him and Mark, like, I don't know, I think doesn't make me, I think because they keep switching, I'm not getting particularly attached to either character, really. Um, There are some nice moments, I think, between uh, Stephen and uh, Layla, but, and they're, they're, I, I like their chemistry, I don't really like the chemistry between Mark and Layla, I don't think it really works, like, they don't look like people who've ever really been married, in my opinion. I also, mm. I'm not fond of, I, I want, I feel like Stephen and and Mark need to just like be, start getting along. Like obviously now at the end of the episode they hug, so maybe they're happy to see each other, whatever, but they're all, con- the continuous bickering between them is getting a bit tired for me. Um, I think, unfortunately, even though it started off promising, I think Arthur Harrow's character isn't as engaging as I'd hoped it would be. Um, I think it started off interesting and I was a bit like, ooh, this guy's mysterious or, you know. Um, but now I'm kind of just like, he's just there in another room and then he gives us another monologue and then he's there in another room and he gives us <laughs> yeah. another monologue and I'm just like, okay, like, come on, man, like, can you do something else? Like, I don't know. Um, and yeah, the the action, again, I think then you said the action is fine, but it's not on a level with anything, really. It's not like, it's not show-stopping. Um, I remember, on the action, I remember saying when we talked about the first episode, I was like, I hope they don't keep doing the thing where a lot of the action is missed because he's blacking out. But they're still doing that. They're still, like, mm. so much of the action is not seen, uh, which mm. is really pissing me off. Like, even when Layla was fighting with the mummy in the last episode, like, she was being dragged in and out of darkness. Mm. And you're like... Have you just not had the budget for this or is this like a stylistic thing you're trying to do? Because a lot of the hand-to-hand combat, which presumably Mark Spector knows or Jake, you know, this potential third identity, like he's a mercenary. So you'd think he's pretty decent at fighting. I understand that um, Stephen Grant wouldn't be. So I get that. But you kind of want to see it as well. Um, And particularly, like, I thought the... The fight scene with the jackal in the second episode was pretty poor. Um, the fight, the fight scene at the big uh, estate um, with Mogars, you know, when they're all like throwing spears and stuff, yeah. just felt like so like, slow like and boring. Oh, I did, but, I didn't. Yeah. But and there's like that shot, like the shot where Moon Knight kind of jumps and arches, and it looks like a 
like a scythe. Like, that's a cool shot, but the rest of it was, they were kind of just, that shot was, was it, and mm. I felt the rest of it, like, very kind of pedestrian. And... Do you know what, so quick, can I just interrupt you, because, um, just quickly, you know what I really thought, you know at the end, when obviously he's in the hospital and stuff, and um, Arthur Harrow is talking about the film having, like, poor production quality, I thought that that was going to be, like, the reason why some of the CGI has been a bit shoddy because it's based <laughs> off of a film. He's that, it was from like that age. Obviously, it didn't go with that. But I just thought oh, that would be quite funny if they actually said <laughs> that was why. Yeah. yeah, that's being very fair to them, I think. Um, okay, before we talk about the the the, the institution scenes, is there any anything else from the other episodes that you you want to kind of um, talk about? I just wanted to say, like, overall. It might just be me. It might just be because I'm not very engaged with the series as as much as I'd like to be. But I think they need to do a better job of explaining what the a what the objective is for our protagonists and why they're doing what they're doing. Um, because I know they're going to these tombs and I know they're trying to get something. Um, and I know they're trying to stop Amit coming, but like, how are they doing that? And like, and like, why? <laughs> like I just feel like I need better and again it might just be me like not paying close attention I just need better like written lines of dialogue as to what we are trying what impending doom we are trying to stop and I feel like I'm not getting that sense of like oh you know I'm not getting I'm just not getting the sense of like the villain is something that I should be scared of you know yeah I get that because the first episode, like we 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 got to see what his kind of raison d'etre was, you know, what he wanted to do. He wants to summon Amit and uh, basically get rid of all evil by judging people before they've had a chance to commit evil actions. Mm. Um, I get that bit, but other than that, like you said, he's only really just popped up in scenes. I feel like when he found Amit's tomb, we should have even like a couple of minute sequence where he was trying to find the tomb, mm. you know, like make us not necessarily empathize with him, but just, you know, understand him a bit more. Yeah. So much of this series, like particularly episode uh, three and episode four, has been real key elements of, of like we we need this character to get from a to b and it's quite complex because they don't have the scarab so they don't know where amit's tomb is but oh okay but yeah um i've remembered that uh i've got a mate who who might know where it is and then they go and find him like and he's like it's just very quick and then mm. like when they go into the tomb he's like oh it's a maze it's the eye of horus like how did you come to that conclusion we only mm. just saw you fall down the hole mm. And now all of a sudden you realised it's 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 the shape of an eye. Like there, there's so many jumps, you know, and and they're not making sense. Do you know? Do you know what for me? From, I, sorry, if I don't know if I've just got really loud all of a sudden. But um, like for me, there's like no excitement. Like mm. for me, like not like, not saying I get excited when when a when a main character or a side character solves a problem, but like there is an element of me like oh, okay. They've done it. It's like Sherlock Holmes, for example. Like when he solves something, you're kind of like what? And then he answers the the question of how he's done it. 
Mm. These lot, I know they're archaeologists, or at least Mark or Stephen or whatever one it is, is an archaeologist, or, or, or likes to at least research into the, the deities and everything back then. But like, there's no real like engagement or excitement for me for when they achieve something. And it's happened time and time again. I think they probably introduced the villain or the human villain too early to us. Um, I think since then it's been very rushed. Um, engaging the first episode was like him being tied to the bed, and you're like, "Oh, what's going on here? Like, how's it gonna how's it gonna continue?" And then it's like, "Oh, he does stuff when he's asleep. He like basically murders people. Like, what the hell?" And then the character just suddenly appears in in London. Is he living in London, right? Mm. And and it's just kind of like. They go from A to B to C, back to B, back to C again, like so quickly, so fast. I can't even like comprehend what they're really doing. And the fact that they haven't really discussed, or well, I suppose they haven't really had time to discuss, the fact that they've just bumped into a mummy, it's kind of just like, that's brushed past. Is that what yeah. was? Was it a mummy? I wasn't, I wasn't even sure. I guess so. I, guess, I, I have no idea myself, to be honest. Um, and then like, yeah, I think actually the first part of the first episode and the last part of the last episode are probably the highlight points of the whole thing for me mm. personally. Like we see him in a bed chained up, we wonder why. We see this little snippet of him going a bit wild. Yeah, CGI was a bit shite. Whatever. We we get we get past it. Second episode, CGI was a bit shite again. When he whenever he pulls something from his suit, the CGI is terrible. Mm. Um but like but like, was it the second or third episode when when that that carnival and that like they were all just stabbing him with like the spears like? Oh, I thought that was so, very funny though. I thought that so was funny. So dumb though. Yeah, it's funny, but like it was so dumb. Like he just ran into trouble, and then like yeah. there was so there was no cohesion between one point to another, and then like this episode, okay, a little bit better, better getting back on track because obviously last episode they did the whole magical with the stars, mad didn't need to hold that pose for as long as he did because they held they got the she got the photo she got the photo didn't mention she got the photo and then 10 minutes later after they collapsed went oh yeah it's all good <laughs> that's so dumb um but like obviously getting to the temple called fire of horus or whatever he's found doesn't make sense like i literally watched him do it and i was like what um and then the actual scene that i was really intrigued by was him in the mental hospital or i assume sorry you shouldn't call it that, should you? An asylum, or shouldn't you? I don't know. Um, yeah, I, I don't know what the, what the correct term is. Let's yeah. call it a psychiatric hospital. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but wait, 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 quickly. Yeah. It just made me laugh, Chris. That it was the hospital part of it that you thought might have been the offensive part. You said mental hospital. Oh no, no, sorry, asylum. No, it was the mental part. It was the mental part. I just uh, <laughs> didn't know. I could. Yeah, we don't. I get it, Chris. It's fine. I, think. I understand, but it's made me laugh. So, um, yeah. So we have had to uh, pause this and uh, announce the departure of Chris from Europe Critics due to uh, his unacceptable comments in the last episode. No, I'm um, let's talk about that then. Psychiatric hospital. Um, so you say you type in on Google, it comes up with comes up with stuff. Yeah, it's yeah, referred to as a psychiatric hospital here. So yeah, yeah, what are your thoughts on it, Chris? Go, you're you, you're on a on a roll. 
I thought it was an interesting way to continue from the incident that happened, obviously, him being shot twice. Um, and then, like, going to that scene, you kind of like, obviously, we know he's not, he's not there. But it's always kind of like, oh, this is an interesting angle to go. Never thought they were going to go from ancient Egypt or wherever they were to here. Um, and then, although a bit rushed, this is what we get for six episodes and the episodes being what 30 minutes long um he he gets brought into a room the villain's there or what we believe to be the villain is there he notices all these artifacts around kind of comes to manages to escape finds his other half or his third and rejoices which was like you said a really nice moment between them and then yeah, and then obviously you have the a bit of an asterisk where you see the other coffin or the sarcophagus, and it's like oh, so he so obviously one of the characters knows that there's another. Oh well, I got the feeling that the other character knows there's another character within them, and then the big hippo. Yeah, I think you know you you kind of hit the nail on the head, but that again is rushed. Like we he gets shot, and then there's that kind of you know surreal floating down or up into you know heaven or limbo or wherever he is and boom he wakes up in a mental uh god sorry chris you uh psychiatric hospital um yeah but, oh, but, Glenn. but but the tension of that is is very quickly like taken away i feel like they needed maybe like a good half an episode of us questioning whether what he experienced what we've seen for the last three episodes or not was correct or has he just made it up but that set that sequence is only like 10 minutes long and by the end of it i mean i think it's pretty clear that he's in some sort of purgatory and that hippo relates to the there's a cuddly figure in the first episode i can't remember the name but they said it's the god of birth or rebirth or something like that um and the fact that we as soon as he found steven in the Okay, this is real. <laughs> yeah. So, so I, I, well, I, I feel like an audience, they should have strung us along a bit more, you know, because there was a lot of clues in there where you're like, oh, so was Layla actually another patient there? Is is his obsession with Egypt because of this film? But they, they don't really prolong that. And it was kind of like in episode two when the Conchu was saying, no, it's episode three. Where he's like, oh, well, I mean, one way to find the tomb is to call a council of the gods, but we can't do that because they'll uh, imprison me. And then five seconds later, he's like, let's call a council of the gods. He's like, what? Well, you know, they're just, yeah, they they needed to make this a bit longer. Whether another episode or two, or the episode's a bit longer themselves. We've said it before. We'll say it again. They don't need to restrict themselves to six hours of content. Um so yeah, I liked the psychiatric ward bit, but I think it was too quick. Um, Obi, what are your thoughts, and, and where do you see it? what do you foresee happening? You know, hereafter. Um, yeah, my thoughts aren't too dissimilar from the pair of you. Um, in fairness, um, I think the episode as a whole. Again, I think all all of these episodes are fine. They are like me six six and a half out of ten. You know, nothing's 
maybe little moments in there that are kind of better than that, but also moments there that are worse than that. So they come out about average. Um, I think, yeah, the psychiatric part of this episode is the best part of the episode. But also, again, this is probably my own fault because when I follow people who do get like um, advanced screenings of this and they say, oh, episode four is when it really like goes off. So I'm thinking, okay, episode four, like this is going to be, this is going to be sick. Like, and then, I watch it and I'm like, oh, okay, it's a nice, it's a fun little twist. But again, like you say, they don't hold the tension for very long. So there's no part of me that ever thought really that, you know, after, again, like I said, as soon as he went to go in, in the other coffin and he found Stephen, Mark has found Stephen, um, I was like, oh, okay, cool. This isn't real. So next episode, we're probably going to find out whatever this is and we're going to get out of it. Um, and I think that, again, like you say, is the problem of the fact that these stories is be is being rushed. I don't think there's much wrong with the episode length because the episodes are 45 minutes plus. I think that's plenty of time to tell a half decent story. Um, but again, yeah, maybe add one or two episodes just so you can flesh things out. You can hold things a bit longer um, and you can kind of keep us in suspense maybe a bit longer. Um, and again, yeah, a bit like a bit like you again. I'm, I'm surprised. I don't know why like Disney are insisting on six episodes six episodes like you can do as many as you want like maybe it's budget i don't know but um it just yeah it doesn't really make sense to me that they're choosing this method but again we i think are us three are in the minority because i think most people are really enjoying this series and um are really engaged with like what's going on so far so they're clearly seeing getting something out of this that we aren't um fortunately for them unfortunately for us um which is a shame um, but again, I'm, I'm looking forward to seeing where this episode goes. I imagine we'll get to see that third personality, maybe at least or at least a hint of him um, in the next episode. Um, we'll find out what whatever state they are in. If it is limbo, I assume it's limbo, some sort of limbo or, pur- or purgatory. Um, maybe see Conchu again. I don't know. Um, I don't know if Conchu's uh, well, he's on like a plastic someone's wall now, isn't he? So I don't really know what's going on there. I think the whole idea of Conchu has not been good um mm. if i'm being honest uh and yeah i like the stuff with the actually so going back to episode three quick i like the stuff with the, like the council of gods i did like that um i i hope we get maybe a little bit more of it um but again i don't think we will because just seeing how the episodes are going i just don't think we will but the, these gods themselves don't seem to be very fucking smart because again again you alluded to it like they called arthur harrow to the council they said, oh, are you doing anything sinister, anything bad? He said, no. He said, okay, cool, we believe you. Like, what? Like, don't, mm. you, have, don't you have eyes and ears to fucking find out? Let's see what, yeah. what he's fucking doing. Like, <laughs> Exactly. And, and, you know, they're gods. They're supposed to, like, have intuition about these things. Um, and he also mentions to, to Mark or Stephen, he said, you're not well, are you? But they don't really explore that either. Like, they, they had a chance to explore the disassociative identity disorder in the psychiatric ward but they kind of just glossed over it like they, it would be very interesting to to explore that more like does mark or steven have this condition or is he actually possessed somehow with another spe- you know like a bit more clarity on that and i don't necessarily see a lot of those sorts of questions being resolved in the next two episodes um and i think um steven not sorry steven mark also says um, that his partner killed uh, Layla's 
husband, no, sorry, Layla's uh, dad. And I'm wondering if, are they going to reveal that the partner was one of the other identities or mm. is going to be someone completely different? And I'm wondering what they're going to do with that. As well as that, I think, just to quickly finish my thoughts, um, one thing that's just annoying me in general is that in the first episode, we see um, Stephen, keep thinking of Mark, Stephen, call his mum twice, and obviously she doesn't pick up. And then I think in episode two, when he meets Layla, he says that how he's speaking to his mum, and Layla says, oh, if you like sort of things out of her, and I think there's no resolution to that. So I'm just kind of curious, like, are we going to find out anything about his mum? Like, what's going on with his mum? Yeah. <laughs> I just want to know, like, because otherwise, why put that in there? You know? Yeah, yeah, it's true. Uh, question for both of you: Do you have any strong feelings on the fact that this? If you didn't see the Marvel credits at the beginning, you wouldn't really know that this film was part of the MCU. And I like that to a certain degree because it feels like it is trying to stand on its own two feet. And I think. To an extent, it is. Uh, I think I, I got one. I heard them mention Madripoor once. Yeah. Uh, so Layla's been there, which is interesting. So maybe she interacted with um, is it Sharon Carter. But other than that, it it does feel very separate. And uh, I don't know. Do you, do you do you see that as a positive, or do you kind of want a little bit more? A little bit like, well, we're in 2025. Apparently, that's when this series is set. Did they blip? You know, there's there's nothing about that. Do you have any thoughts? Um, me personally, uh, I don't mind it only because um, one of my criticisms of the MCU is that kind of everything kind of feels the same. So the fact that this doesn't feel like a typical Marvel property, I think, is a good thing um, because it kind of allows you to, let, as you pick and choose, like blend in like different um, themes and genres, which I think is a good thing. However, um, I would like, I'd like them to maybe just mention the blip at some point, just to you know, let us know that you were affected by it as well. You know? mm-hmm. But in terms of like, the actual goings-on in the film and the themes and genre and all that stuff, I think yeah, I'm completely fine with that, with that being different to what we typically see. Chris? Um, yeah, I don't mind it being a bit different. I just wish they would execute it a bit better. Um, <laughs> yeah. But then, like, it's like you were saying earlier, like, I like a lot there. Um, I wish I liked this as much as everyone else. It's like the Batman scenario. I wish I liked it as much as everyone else. Uh, I think it's got good, got a good base. It hasn't yeah. been very, it's, it's very much not um, flowing as I, I would like it to be, but I guess it, it depends where you, what, what we've, I think we've got to start looking at this series as we know they're going to be six episodes. We know they're going to be slightly rushed. Can we put that aside and then like the series for what it is? Because yeah, you're right. At the end of the day, I don't really know this is Marvel. Uh, I didn't even pick up on the point of the connection with Peggy Carter. Like this could be a whole separate universe and it wouldn't make a bit of difference for me personally. Mm. I, I, what I want at the end of this six episodes is to want to see a season two, and currently I would don't really care. Yeah, me too. Um, which is probably yeah. the biggest indictment. I'm 
conscious of time and that you might need to go, Chris. So no, no, don't worry, don't worry, just carry on. This one, don't worry. Okay. Well, let's hear about Fantastic Beasts: The Secrets of Dumbledore. Yeah, go on, Oates. Um, yeah. So this is the third instalment of the Fantastic Beasts franchise, um, and <laughs> it's not gotten the best reviews um i think it's around like the 60 percent mark on rotten tomatoes um and the i agree with like most majority of the reviews the premise of the story is basically like they they built they obviously the film's called the secrets of dumbledore right so you think like okay we're gonna find some shit out about dumbledore and like i watched the whole film (laughs) i watched the whole thing and i was thinking like What's the secret? Like, what? <laughs> like, what did we find out that we didn't know already? That he's gay? We knew that already. Um, that he, um, that he, what's it called? That he had a hand in his sister's death. We knew that already. Well, people who I think people who read like Pottermore and stuff like that, they knew that already. Like, there's nothing for it to be the tagline of the film. There's nothing in this that I thought. Wow, I found out something about Dumbledore that I. I'm surprised that that I didn't know about before. But doesn't um, Dumbledore cover his brother as well? Isn't the whole big wow moment that his brother's got a son? I guess, but like, yeah, it's a bit of a it's a bit dead considering the huge yeah movie. yeah. Like they told us at the end of the last film that he was a Dumbledore, and you find out in this film he's still he's so he wasn't lying. He's still a Dumbledore, but he's just not the Dumbledore you thought he was. He was someone else's son rather than Dumbledore's. I was Dumbledore's son. Okay, <laughs> like. Like, all right then, sure. Um, so the film basically, um, the same few characters are there again. You got, uh, you got Newt, you got, uh, Jacobs comes in, um, you've got, um, Newt's brother, I can't remember his name, um, you've got Dumbledore, obviously, and there's a couple of, uh, characters who were in the last film, I can't remember the names either, who were in this film. It's basically like a group of, and one new character actually, I can't remember her name either. Surprise, surprise. Um, <laughs> one cat and so like this group of I think five um, or six um, under under Dumbledore, a bit like how Dumbledore kind of like guide, used to guide Harry, Hermione, and Ron to kind of like beat the bad guy for him because he was too lazy to do it himself. Um, he kind of um, asks <laughs> he asks these group of people to fight Grindelwald because um, him and Grindelwald have got like a blood pact basically, which means they can't harm each other because or both of them will die or one of them will die or something like that. Because in a previous few, previous life, or not previous life, but a few years prior, they were in love with each other. Um, they had different views. Um, Grindelwald was a, is a uh, wizard supremacist. Um, Dumbledore was like, he says like, oh, I only went along with you because I was in love with you or something like that, which I thought was really cute. But also like, come on then. Anyway. <laughs> um, but then they kind of have like a, a couple, do you know Mads Mikkelsen in this and uh, uh, Jude Law in this are actually quite good and I like their scenes together. There's, I can, there's genuine chemistry there and I can believe that these are two guys who used to be in a relationship and this, and still do have feelings for each other. There's actually a part near the end where, um, where Grindelwald loses and they these two are like in like their own little bubble kind of fighting each other and they're just looking at each other and then Grindelwald says, who's going to love you now, Dumbledore? And then he just fucks off and I was like, fuck, you know, that was kind of deep. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, but in general, so like, I'm kind of rambling here, but like, I don't really know what the purpose of this film was. 
Like, <laughs> they've got this group together. They say, we need to stop Grindelwald. And I guess they do that. They stop Grindelwald from becoming, like, the head of the Ministry of Magic for the whole world, basically, is the premise of the film. And they do that by... Um, I don't really know how they do it, to be honest with you. I really want one of you to watch this so you can kind of, like... And it is... I feel the same way about this film that I felt about The Crimes of Grindelwald is that it's just a bit of a mess. Um, <laughs> and I don't really know what they were aiming to do. What was our objective in this? Obviously, we have to stop Grindelwald. He's the bad guy, sure. But what was he trying to achieve? And why did we traipse? They go to many different locations in Germany, in uh, somewhere in Asia, in somewhere else, following Grindelwald and his people, never really doing anything. Like... <laughs> They Jacob and Jacob and them all they follow him to to Germany where he's at like this ball thing and Grindelwald's there and Grindelwald gets absolved of the crimes that he was accused of in the previous film and then Jacob's there no one fights each other Jacob's there like oh I'm, I'm gonna he says like, he threatens him or something like that and then that's it and then they all leave and then then Newton his brother gets sent off into some other fucking random place where they have to fight some big troll thing and. I don't know, man. I just this these films. Why is like, why is Newt, who is like a biologist essentially, like why has he been sent to do these things? He's not a soldier. Because Dumbledore asked him to, and him and Dumbledore, I think he has a good relationship with him. I think they, he does see him as like a a mentor figure, a bit like Harry, to be honest. Um, he does see Dumbledore as like you know that elderly, I think fatherly figure. So, and even at the end of the film, he says like you know, I was happy to follow you into battle kind of thing. And I'll, and if you ask me to do it again, I'll do it again, which is fair enough. But also I was like, I mean, you're risking your life for this guy. Like, And to, and at the end of the film, like, um, spoiler alert, not that anyone really cares, the blood pact thing between Grindelwald and Dumbledore gets broken. So if I was new, I'd be like, all right, yeah, everything's broken now. So good luck in it. You can fight, yeah, you do it yourself. Well. Yeah. yeah, like, I'll back you, like, but from afar. <laughs> like, um... And yeah, I don't know, man. I don't. I didn't hate it, but I just found like it was. I was. It was going on, and I just kept my kept running through my mind. I was like, "What are we trying to do?" <laughs> like, so what? what? Oh God! To um, try and like maybe put it in a different context. So you're essentially saying that like Albus Dumbledore and Grindelwald were like Duchesne and Sully, like beefing, <laughs> each, beefing each other, but they couldn't lay a finger because of like respect and Newt was like Jack having to go between the two being like Wagwan cause what are you saying all of that stuff and then now they're you know running Summer House again together that Jack can just you know go and live her life <laughs> not exactly but yeah, that's, kind of, that's kind of the gist of it okay, but not exactly um, because Grindelwald at the end just fucks off like Grindelwald <laughs> it's just bare money like because Basically, Grindelwald gets this, like, um, so a bit of the element where the Fantastic Beasts come in, there's, like, this little fox, horse-type type creature that, if you spill its blood, <coughs> excuse me, sorry, if you spill its blood, you can see your future. Um, and also, the, the other thing that this thing does is that they, in ancient times, they used to let these, um, these creatures pick um, who the wizarding leader would be because these creatures only follow those who are, like, pure of heart. Um, and so Grindelwald kills one of... There's two of these creatures. 
and the mum. Grindelwald sends Credence and his other cronies to kill to kill the mum, and they grabbed one of the one of the creatures and fucked off. They didn't know that it, that it was twins that were born, so they have the other one. Um, Newton then will have the other one. Grindelwald kills the first one so that he can see his future and he can like plan out his moves and know how the others are gonna fucking you know um, try to stop him. Da 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 da. So then. Uh, Newton them lot say, "Oh, he knows how we're going to move, so we have to do be unpredictable. We have to not even know our plan ourselves." Blah blah blah, which <laughs> carries into the theme of the fucking film because I don't really know what the hell's going on. To be completely honest with you, um, <laughs> one of them then decides to go and join. Uh, so this is one of the characters who was um, Lita Lestrange's uh, half brother in the last film. He goes to then work undercover for Grindelwald. And then Grindelwald erases his memory of his sister for some reason. And then he, there's like some sort of um, tension as to whether or not he's going to actually join Grindelwald's side or if he's actually working for Dumbledore's side. In the end, he's working for Dumbledore's side, but you now don't remember your sister. So well done. Anyway. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, and then, yeah, so the other creature that um, uh, is there trying to keep Grindelwald from having it um, because... Um, they want to protect it or something, I don't know. And then the creature that Grindelwald killed, he bewitches it and brings it back from the dead to trick and then takes it to this place in Asia where they were going to pick the new wizarding leader and tricks everyone into thinking that the creature is still alive and that it picks Grindelwald and says, yeah, this guy should be our leader. So then he was going to be the leader until they come out with the briefcase with the animals and like, nah, that one's dead. This is the real one. Let him pick who the leader's going to be. And um, the 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 what's it called? The creature picks actually picks Dumbledore to be the leader, and he's like, "Nah, allow it. I don't want it." <laughs> and he says, "Pick someone else." And then he picks another woman who was running to be the lead, one of the leaders in the first place. Um, so she's now the leader. And then Grindelwald, after that, he gets caught out. He just kind of looks at him like, "Ah, oh, like, what do you want from me?" Like, I tried, I tried to fucking, cheat, you know, I didn't do anything bad. I just tried to fucking lie to the whole fucking world. And then at the same time, everyone tries to fucking kill him. And then he takes himself in a bubble. That's when him and Dumbledore fight um, because he was about to kill Grindelwald, that is. He was about to kill Credence. Well, I haven't even got to. Anyway, he's about to kill Credence and Dumbledore protected Credence because that's his nephew. And then because he protected Credence and Grindelwald was attacking Credence, their wands met and it broke the blood pact for both of them. So then they started fighting, which actually was a pretty cool scene. But then, yeah, then that gets to the bit where he's, they kind of like come to a stalemate and he's like, oh, are we actually going to try and kill each other? Because there's still love there. And then he's like, who's going to love you now, Dumbledore? And I was like, that's deep. And then he jumped <laughs> off the roof and fucked off. Um, and then, yeah, Credence is in this film, filled with anger, I guess. And he's like really unpredictable and really unstable. And he's like leave, sending me- secret messages to, to Dumbledore and his family saying like, I want to come home and do you know what it's like to be lied to your whole life and stupid shit like that? And um, Grindelwald treats him like a prick because he's like, you're, you're used to this kind of thing, even though like he's like super powerful, I guess. And then he fights. So the tra- in the trailer, you see him fighting Dumbledore. Um, and they have that scene in this film, but it doesn't, it's not real, which I thought was pretty shit, to be honest. Um, it's just all in uh, Credence's head because Dumbledore put it there. And then he kind of tells, like, so he does that so he can tell them the truth about, like, oh, we didn't, like, purposely 
abandon you, forget about you, we, like we just didn't know about you, da 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 da. He goes and tells his brother that he's got a son, da 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 da. Then this, him and uh, Aberforth and Credence reconcile, kind of, I guess. And then they're like, oh yeah, Credence is about to die. And I was like, okay, cool, you'd <laughs> actually see him die. But then, yeah. And then that finishes. And then, yeah, Jacob and the blonde girl get married. Um, and yeah, Newt's the best man, I guess. And the girl Tina, who was in the other two films, who actively um, fell out with J.K. Rowling, so she was not in this film, which I found really funny. Oh, really? At, yeah, she comes in at the end just to say, you know, say what one. Um, <laughs> and then, yeah, that's the end of the film. This film's not very good. I see people saying that this is um, the best film of the three. I highly disagree with that. I think the first one's way better than this. So I've, I've, I've got a question, right? So they planned for five of these films, yeah? Yeah. Um, would you... Uh, so I guess it's a three-pronged question. Mm. Would you be happy for this to stay as the f- third and final film? Do you need to see another film? And if you do, would you be happy with it just being a full film to finish it off? Or do you think it doesn't, in fact, need two more films? Absolutely I, does not need two cause, more films. Because I was going to say, because right now, I don't know what you what they need to do mm. in the full film. I'm a bit like, have you not completed your task? Mm. Um, I think it's very, very clear that they do that they do not and did not did not have enough source material or good enough writers to make five films out of this story. Um, in hindsight, it probably you probably would have been better off doing like an anthology type Wizarding World series, like do your Fantastic Beasts and Where to Find Them. Then the next film make that about Grindelwald. You could combine them, the last film and this film into one film and probably be a pretty decent cohesive film. Make this film about Grindelwald, then move on to something else. You know, like they are stretching this story of stopping Grindelwald out for, apparently for five films, and it's so thin on actual material that like it is kind of painful to watch at times. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> oh my god, it's not good. It's not good at all. Doesn't make a Voldemort sequence. Oh, isn't it? It's not working out. Yeah. It it did not um it did not endear me to watch it, to be honest. Uh it sounded very shit. And I think they maybe just framed it poorly. Like all of these fantastic beasts and then like a subheading. You know why? Yeah. It's not about the beasts. The first one was not even that much about the beasts by the end of it, you know. It's it's mm. it's just a strange yeah, strange concept. Uh so we will look forward to the Instagram review of that one. That is a damn good point. That is a damn good point. The first one, I actually haven't seen the second one, but it doesn't sound like you've got any uh, any fond memories of uh, some beasts. I enjoyed elements of the first, of the second one, but again, that was a mess. That film was a mess, and I think same with this one. And I didn't really enjoy that many elements of this one, to be honest. Have you done an Instagram review of it? No, I haven't actually. Oh, okay. What would you give it out of ten? Like a five. Because okay. I have I haven't seen the second one mm. because you gave it uh, well you two both didn't really give it a stellar review so I never bothered and I haven't heard a single good review about it I kind of <laughs> feel sorry for the ha- the Potterverse because although I wouldn't say all eight Harry Potter films were top tier they were certainly cohesive and made sense and the worst of the Harry Potter films still shits on all of these films. <laughs> Which one do you yeah. think is the worst out of all the Harry Potter films, though? Mm, probably like Half Blood Prince. I don't really like Half Blood Prince. 
Ah, see, my money's on Order of the Phoenix. Yeah, yeah. that was that was what I was going to yeah. say as well. The longest book, but the shortest film. Go figure. Mm. Um, okay, well, we'll move swiftly on from that. We'll look forward to reading your Instagram review as and when it's up. Uh, Chris, do you want to talk about Choose or Die? Uh, yeah, all right. Um, <laughs> yeah, so it's a, it's, I thought when I first was going to watch this, unless I missed parts because I was in and out of watching it, um, it's kind of background uh, film, unfortunately. Um, I thought it was going to be one of these films where I actually choose what I do. Oh, okay. Uh, yeah, like the band snatch uh, thing. Yeah. Uh, I don't know where I got that from. Maybe just the title. I just thought I would choose. Um, I so, think that's a logical conclusion to make. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And I think I think they really I think they really did miss the trick. And like I said, maybe I missed the maybe in the opening ten fifteen minutes there was a point where you could choose. However, me, I did not. Um, so the film premise. I mean, are you going to watch this? Uh, I mean, I'm, I might, but uh, you know, it's not going to be like. It's basically about. It's basically about a video game, old school, like lots of ringing sounds, uh, screen basically saying do this or do that, and there's like different levels to it. It starts with a guy, an older gentleman. He's his wife and child are yelling in the uh, in the kitchen. He's downstairs in the basement. Loads of retro stuff, and he starts this thing. And the first question he's got is, uh, remove her ears or cut out his tongue. Um, he didn't actually have to do it, but when whatever you say to the game, it then tr- it then transcends transitions. I don't know. It then happens in real life. Uh, how it happens, you don't see, but it happens. Um, and then it cuts to what I assume is their version of modern day. Uh, where we've got Otis and a lady I've never seen in film before. Um, and she, he basically is a video game guy, wants to create his own video game, bit new, bit different, la di la da da And she's trying to get a job, seems to get fired from jobs or got fired from the one she was at. And then, yeah, and that's how it all starts. She finds the video game, she takes on the first challenge she realizes she's messed up because her mum's in danger because of the first challenge and it proceeds to go on about a film where these two are trying to figure out how this game is coming to be how can they beat the game and yeah find a resolution it's a decent film it's not i wouldn't say it's a bad film i wouldn't say it's a good film it's decent i think it's got good ideas does it execute them fully yeah, maybe not, but it's a decent film. I'd like it would be interesting to see what you two think of the film if you were to watch it before I divulge anything. Um, I will give it a watch. It sounds like it'd something. Be in, it'd be interesting. There's a there's a there's a there's a choice that has to be made, and I would be intrigued to know what you both would do. I feel like you both would do totally opposite thing. Okay, because there's like. There was a film that came out a few years ago. It was like one of these Blumhouse films. I'll try and remember the name of it. Um, but it was like, um, Would I Never or something like that. Um, but it was basically like, Truth or Dare, that was it. You do Truth or Dare and it's like, oh, dare. Or you have to do this. Oh, okay. No, if you don't do it, you'll die. 
Oh, is um, that the one where she 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 shows the whole flipping world at the end? She what? Sorry. Is is that the one where they get like scary faces when whenever? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then at the very end, to resolve her issue, she shows the whole world the video. And Something she, like that. Then she puts the whole world in shit. Yeah. Yeah, and then there's also there's that film with um, uh, Renee Zellweger called The Box. I don't know if that's a similar premise, but doesn't she get a box and if she presses it, someone dies, but she doesn't know who it is, and uh, there's like that whole ethical scenario. Would you, you know, accept a scenario where someone you don't know will be hurt or killed to save someone you do know? And um, I guess it's like that moral dilemma. But yeah, all right, Netflix original. Uh, Netflix horror film, so I will check that out. 84 minutes long. Um, cool. The Northman is uh, one of the new releases, and Obi and I have seen it. Don't suppose you have, Chris? I haven't, but I am intrigued to watch it. You may spoil it in any way, shape, or form. It is perfectly okay. fine. So this is Robert Eggers' most recent film. He is known for The Witch, which is styled as the The Witch, you know. The, the, but it's actually The Witch. Uh, and The Lighthouse. Uh, The Witch is like a kind of folky supernatural horror film. Uh, The Lighthouse is more of like a psychological thriller character study. It's, uh, Willem Dafoe and Robert Patterson in a lighthouse. Uh, it's black and white. Uh, so Robert Eggers is a very, he's like a film critics director, I would say. His, his stuff is, you know, a lot deeper than, um, then it kind of appears and, and critics are very well receiving of his work. This is probably the most mainstream he's been so far, but even that is like it's not a mainstream film. This is a Viking epic, essentially, um, where we follow um, Amleth, who is played by Alexander Skarsgård, who is huge. Mm. Um he he loses his father, played by Ethan Hawke, uh, as as always happens in these things. The brother killed him, mm. um, so uh, the brother usurps the crown, uh, tries to kill Amleth uh, when he was a young boy. So he runs away, um, joins um, like a, a a northern clan, Scandinavian presumably, maybe Scottish. We're not really sure. Uh, gets hench and repeats this mantra, you know, avenge my father, save my mother, kill Vilnir, which is his uncle. Um, so he then returns several years later uh, to find that his uncle has kind of actually lost his um, kingdom to some other northern, you know, scoundrel. Uh, but he still wants to avenge his father, save his mother and kill Vilnir. Um, so essentially... He poses as a slave, uh, who is, who is, you know, been acquired by Fjolnir, his uncle. He works as a farmhand. He meets Anya Taylor Joy's character, who is, um, Olga, uh, who is some sort of Slavic. They call her a witch. I don't know why Anya Taylor Joy keeps being cast as Eastern Europeans, because her accent is not great. Uh, but they kind of, have a little thing going on. Uh, he wants to then like help save her after he's settled his own score with his father. Um, I won't spoil the film if, if you're going to see it. Um, but yeah, this is a 
very stylish is the wrong word because it's it's very muddy and bloody and gritty but it's it's definitely a well crafted film uh it's very gritty you can like see the mud there's like the i think alexander skarsgård whilst he doesn't have like tons to do in terms of you know delivering dialogue his his kind of animalistic grunts are are pretty impressive and and the way that he conveys rage uh combined with his huge frame makes him for a pretty imposing and pretty cool northman uh i think that i don't know if i would have liked to have seen more in the way of of him kind of training up because oh, when he be- when he becomes a boy and leaves there's a, only one like village raid scene before he then sets off onto his his journey. I would have liked a bit more of that mm. um, because that's quite cool. And if you've ever played the game Assassin's Creed Valhalla, there's a lot of similarities there as well, uh, kind of tonally, uh, you know, in terms of plot and stuff. I guess it's like a pretty well trodden plot point. And actually, uh, I saw an interview with Robert Eggers on Collider, and he said that Amleth is is like a kind of Real, per- real figure or real figure in legend, and and it inspired Hamlet. Um, he was Danish, I think. So yeah, I I, I think it's it's a very it's one of the it's it, it's it's strange because there's moments of like pensiveness and pondering and and uh, some stylish you know like magical realism where he's like talking to a a uh, sorceress and and there's kind of you see a shot of a Valkyrie and then, then there's like the brutality of it. Um, kind of, kind of feels like tonally two different things there. And I, I don't know if it blends that well, but, um, yeah, it wasn't the all action that, that the trailer kind of made it out to be. But mm. I guess if you know Robert Eggers previous work, then you wouldn't expect it to be. Um, but yeah, I think the trailer is somewhat misleading. But I still found it uh, engaging, and yeah, um, I thought it was I thought it was it was it was fine. What were your thoughts? I think we've lost Chris, but yeah, <laughs> what were your thoughts? Um, yeah, my thoughts aren't too dissimilar from yours, to be honest. I think it's like it's definitely a well-made film. Um, it's like a like you're saying, it's like a film critic type of film in terms of the way it's shot. Um, I did have a couple of issues with. Um, uh, just ha- just visually, kind of like being able to, I just felt it was a bit too dark at times, and I yes. really see what was going on. To be honest, and that annoyed me a bit. Truth be told, you know, when at the start of films, when like the screen widens, mm-hmm. um, in Beckenham Odium, which I watched it, they didn't they didn't widen the screen. It really pissed me off for like the whole film. It was just like cropped a little bit, and I was like, this is really jarring. Oh, so you you think you missed some of the actual shot? I don't know, probably not to be honest, but it just it just annoyed me to be honest more than anything, and I kept thinking like they're gonna do are they gonna sort this out, and that was like playing on my mind for like the whole two hours and something. <laughs> um, you can yeah, go no, into you can go into the detail now because Chris is actually. Oh left, yeah, of course, so. yeah. Um, so yeah, it's. I think it's. I think it feels definitely well acted for the parts. Obviously, the people who do have lines, like you say, um, Alexander Skarsgård. Mm-hmm. His um, his uh, 
his lines are a lot of like grunting and a lot of like simple yeses and no's. Um, but for the people who like have extensive lines, I think the um the uncle, can't his name, sorry, the uncle, um he was he was good. Nicole Kidman as the mum, she was also good. The accents, we were saying we were chatting. The accents are all over the show, all over the place. Like, like <laughs> it's a Viking epic, but some of them sound Scottish, some Literally. of them are Irish. They're yeah. like terrible. Scandinavian accents. I mean, Alexander Skarsgård is of Scandinavian descent, um, but you know there were some. Sometimes I was like, "You're not. You're not got the same accent you were talking in the last scene." <laughs> yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. That was a bit off-putting, but there's also a bit where, like, the bit where, um, <laughs> the bit where um, the mum uh, starts kissing uh, his, her son. I was like, "What the yeah. fuck?" <laughs> like, because she she. Hello. Hello. <laughs> That's weird. We're still recording. That's so strange. Anyway. Um, uh, sorry. What was I saying? About uh, when Queen Gudrun is kissing Amla. Yes. So, so <laughs> she, obviously, they're talking. They're talking, like, really intensely. And then she kind of, like, leaned in. I was like, she looks like she wants to kiss him. <laughs> <laughs> she did. I was like, what the fuck? I don't know if that's like because um, obviously I think it's very Hamlet vibes um, I don't know if this is based off Hamlet directly but that was the vibe that I was getting from it and I've never actually watched Hamlet but I know the general gist of the story and I don't know if like if that <laughs> if that play involved incest or not but I'm not sure but anyway <laughs> um, I thought it was a nice little twist actually that obviously he goes to rescue the mum and she's like actually nah like we plotted to kill your dad your dad was this your dad was that I was a, um, I was a slave before he before I gave him a son, da 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 da. I actually quite like that twist. Um, mm-hmm. I did as well. I thought that was that was good. Um, I didn't. One thing I didn't really love was. Um, uh, well, sorry, what was his name again? Amleth. 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 And um, what's uh, Anya Taylor Joy's character's name? Olga. Olga. I didn't really like their. I didn't think they really had good chemistry. To be no. honest. Um. It felt very, very forced, and obviously they meet on the boat and stuff, and then within like maybe two conversations, she's like, "Oh yeah, if you, you know, if you do what you wanted to do here, will you come and save me or whatever? Will you not forget me?" And I was like, "What? That was a bit, <laughs> that was a bit quick. Like, I don't even know you, darling. Like, come on." Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but then yeah, they kind of just get together really fast, and then all of a sudden now they are. You know, they're a couple, they're a thing, and I find that really strange. Um, I did like the bit where, um, obviously, they, she comes to and rescues him, uh, um, and they're about to, like, sail off and have a life, but he's like, nah, like, my fate said, like, I have to choose between, um, like, my kinship or my um, uh, vengeance or whatever it was, and he's like, I'm going to have both. And he, I suppose <laughs> he kind of does have both, because, obviously, his children are going to be okay, and, his, and the wife's going to be okay. Um, and he does defeat the uh, the uncle, but obviously he doesn't make it, um, which is a shame. Um, did you did you get um, Revenge of the Sith vibes from that last fight? A little bit, a little bit. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I was like, "Whoa, this is a uh, pretty yeah. der- derivative." You're my brother, Anakin. Yeah. <laughs> um, I thought the fight was was cool though, like just like the scenery around it, and obviously them fighting. And um, I thought the way it ended was cool. Obviously him. Um, chopping head off whilst getting stabbed at the same time um, and then him like presumably getting picked up by the Valkyrie and going to Valhalla 
um, was cool. I like how, even though I'm not a big Viking fan, and I think people who are fans of like Vikings and that genre in general will probably really like this film. I like how they like lean into the lore of the Vikings, like the the superstitions, the religion, the rituals, and all stuff like yeah. that. I, I really enjoy that, even though I don't know anything about it, but it was cool to see. Um, yeah, yeah. I thought, sorry, I just quickly as well. I thought obviously Willem Dafoe's in this film. Very briefly, I thought he was really underutilized. I think they could have used him a little bit more in this. And Ethan Hawke. Yeah, yeah. Both good actors. Uh, yeah. If you want to see a Willem Dafoe performance very similar to this, then watch The Lighthouse because it he. he Boy, does he give that that performance a go? Um, <laughs> and that film's very strange as well. But this this film, yeah, like you know, kind of based on the same source legend as, as Hamlet. But it did feel very Shakespearean. The whole mm. my uncle has killed my father, I must avenge, and then the kind of tragic death of the uh, the protagonist, which yeah, very Shakespearean. I thought, yeah, I thought it was, it was fine, and and like a very physical performance, I guess, from Alexander Skarsgård more than like yeah. a vocal one. But um, was it raw how he killed the little boy as well, Connor? I think was his name. Because like, allow he didn't do, he didn't do anything wrong. <laughs> what when he just stabs him straight? Yeah, through. that was kind of raw. <laughs> and even and even the son, his cousin, the other his other uh the older son of, of Oh, the that's one I meant, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh no, yeah. So I meant so so yeah, him. I thought that was raw to be honest, because like obviously that guy was a prick, but he didn't do anything wrong, really. Like he was mm. just living his life. And I was talking about actually his little brother. Um Yeah. The that kind of seemed like an accident though, didn't it? Yeah, true. Because there's a point in the film where he says that he would never kill a woman. Yeah. And then he ends up killing his mother, and then he accidentally... Well, I kind of thought it was an accident. He accidentally kills his little brother. And at that point, I was like, he's broken his own rules, so he must die, in mm. a sense. Like, he he would he would have been, like, shamed, wouldn't he, if he carried on. Mm. Um, but, yeah, yeah, it was... it was uh, Interesting that Nicole Kidman decided to join this film. It doesn't seem like a Nicole Kidman sort of film. No, it doesn't, really. But, you know, good on her for, for branching out. Yeah. Um, I will say, this: the film's not really for me, but I can appreciate it. That it's a pretty good film, also. Because I think people, I've seen, sorry, just quickly though, people gas this film up unbelievably. Like I saw someone say this film was unbelievable. Do you know how good a film has to be for you to call it unbelievable? Yeah, <laughs> it, but that. Unbelievable even means unbelievably good, unbelievably bad. <laughs> and that, this that's, uh, that's because it's Robert Eggers. People love his, his films. He's, he's a critical darling. Uh, so, yeah. I mean, like I said, it's probably the more mainstream of the three he's done, but it's not mainstream by any means, and, you know. And and also mainstream, I guess, is not a criticism, but I guess uh, he he's not like a paint by numbers director. Um, so you you reviewed that for Instagram, thank you. Very quickly, do you want to give us a non-spoiler review of the Lost City? Oh yeah. Um... The Lost City is a film starring Sandra Bullock and Channing Tatum about a writer, a fantasy writer, who gets kidnapped by um, an evil rich person, played by Daniel Radcliffe, and so that she can um, uncover some secret, the location of some secret artefact, basically, to make him rich. And the Channing Tatum, who plays her the cover model for her Sandra Bullock's character's books goes to basically rescue her um if you've seen the trailer for this film the film delivers 
if you like the trailer, you'll like the film. If you don't like the trailer, you don't. You won't like the film. It <laughs> delivers exactly what I think the trailer, the vibes the trailer gives it. It's it's got a bit of heart. It's dumb, like there's stupid jokes, and it's like action comedy, but not really action comedy. There's like a bit of romance in there, like, and I think. It's not a film that I would tell anyone to go and be like, oh, yeah, go and see this. Like, it's completely diverted expectations. Blah, 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 blah. Nah. The film you think that it's going to be, it is that film. Um, good, or, good or bad, that's what it is. Um, there are some moments that are funny, I think, with, like, line delivery. Um, Brad Pitt has a cameo in this, and he's quite funny in it, too. Um, and, yeah, there are some moments where I'm like, oh, actually, that's actually pretty sweet. Um, but generally, I would say it's just a fairly... Fairly average film, you know. I like Chad and Tatum as well, so and Tony Bullock. So you know, it's a good mix of of those actors, I would say. Okay, so not that funny then. <laughs> what you're not a fan of either of those? No, no, no. I, I just mean like it didn't sound like it was like a, a raucous. Oh no, yeah, I wasn't. No, I had a couple, maybe a couple chuckles. I would say, but when was nothing... the last good comedy film? Oof. So the, the one I just the one that popped into my head and I, this can't be the last one. It was Girls Trip, um, but that was ages ago. And I must have that was pre COVID. That yeah. was like three four years ago. Yeah, there must have been a comedy that wow. I enjoyed since then. Um, but that was that's one a, that popped into my head. That's a question for the next pod, I think, because yeah. I can't think of one either. My head goes to Game Night, which I think was before Girls Trip. Yeah, so. I think it was. Yeah, Game Night I think it was twenty seventeen. I think. Oh, yeah. God. Okay. Um, and then last but very not least we've got uh, from the archive uh mm. from the prehistoric uh archive what what uh period is this jurassic i presume yes so i decided to venture into watching jurassic park because i've actually never seen those films um <sighs> oh i've seen i'm telling you, i've watched i watched the last jurassic world film um but apart from that i've never seen any Jurassic Park film, and I thought I'd give it because obviously the new one's coming out some in a couple of months, so I thought I'd you know, give it a go, see some of the context, and so I can understand the characters. And obviously, this film has been like lauded over the past however many years. I think it's pretty revolutionary at the time, and yeah, I think at one point it was like the highest grossing film ever. I think when it first mm-hmm. came out, so I thought you know, give it a try. Um, it's a good film actually. I actually quite enjoyed it, but it, it's not really what I expected it to be. The first one, because obviously I think I feel like. The one I watched, uh, Jurassic World, Lost Kingdom, whatever the hell it was called, um, was like very much the dinosaurs are out in the world doing what they do and like, you know, people are fucked. Um, this film obviously is like, it's literally it's just the start of Jurassic Park and the whole thing takes place basically in the park. And I just, in, and there was only like five people in the, <laughs> in the whole like compound. In my mind, I just didn't think about what the film was going to be. I just thought it was going to be like, there's actual, like, the park's already open, it's been out for time, people were in the park and the dinosaurs are going mad and bare people died. Obviously, that's not quite the case. Um, I think Jeff Goldblum in this is absolutely ridiculous, but <laughs> at the same time, I can't... He's so, like, I don't know what it is about him, he's just got that charm, and I'm just like, I just fucking love watching him, even though, like, his character is so stupid, and, like, I would never believe that that guy was, like, a scientist or mathematician in any way, shape or form when he's just like <laughs> sat there like after he breaks his leg he's sat there with like a 
his shirt, his shirt is just unbuttoned all the way, and you can just see his hairy chest. I'm just like, why? What was the need for this? Like, he definitely, I know Jeff Goldblum definitely like insisted that he be like have his shirt off in that. <laughs> like, he's so funny. Um, I think actually, this is one of the few films where I think the child actors are actually really good. I think um, the young actress who plays, uh, I think Lex, Lexi, and uh, Timmy, I think are the names. Um, mm-hmm. I do really enjoy. I enjoyed them. And I like how um, Timmy was like a nerd, and he like was proper asking loads of questions about like dinosaurs and stuff. And Kitty was quite smart as well. And then the girl was also clearly very smart because she she was a hacker and stuff. But like they weren't too like. I don't know. They didn't play it off too cheesy. They didn't overact. I think they got it. They both got it like just right. And it seemed their acting seemed very genuine. And like what I think how a child would react in that situation, um, which I really enjoyed. Um, I think the CGI of the dinosaurs for the end. Well, CGI both both the CGI and I think the puppet or dummy that they created for some of, for one of the dinosaurs as well was really good. And I imagine for the time, like super revolutionary. Um, and it holds up pretty well, I would say, considering the film's almost 30 years old. So, um, <laughs> well, yeah, bloody hell. Um, yeah, I didn't know it was coming out in 93, to be fair. I thought it was much later than that. But, um, yeah, and, um, yeah, uh, Laura Dern and, uh, Sam Neil are pretty good in it, I would say. But, like, I feel like every time they're on screen, I'm just like, I just want Jeff Goldblum to start speaking. Like, <laughs> just like, he just, I think he just stole the show from me and I just, I just loved his character so much. Um, I think he's got more eccentric as he's got older. I don't know if maybe his, his, you know, his increasing stardom allowed him to reveal himself more if he's just become more zany, but... Mm. He just thought, yeah, he's such a funny, honestly, he's a funny character. Um, and it was the same when he was, he was in, when I watched him at Independence Day and I was like, who let you act like this? Like, who gave you the... <laughs> He gave you the fucking authority to act like this. But um, <laughs> I really enjoyed, like, the general premise of... And I, oh, do you know what? I, I fucking love this, actually. So, like, obviously, the doctor... Uh, not doctor, the... Um, Mr. Hammond, John Hammond, I think is his name. He's the one who funds everything. He's mm. obviously brought these... Uh, they made these dinosaurs. They cloned them or whatever. They're saying, like, this is going to be revolutionary. Da, 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 da. The lawyer's saying we're going to make money, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, Jeff Goldwyn's character's, like, you like spent all everyone spent so much time thinking about like how can we do this no one was thinking about should we do this like mm. humans and dinosaurs have never coexisted at the same time and there's probably a natural reason for that um but you've not stopped to think about the consequences of that and like even when they're saying about oh we control the breeding of the dinosaurs so they're not going to breed themselves and Jeff Gomes like well nah like that's not how life works like you this is one of the first things you just cannot control like life finds a way lo and behold yeah life did find a way um yeah there's, like, a, there's, a, there's an ethical mm. quandary in there isn't there which i yeah. think is interesting are you gonna watch the other ones that you've not seen um so i haven't seen uh two three or the first jurassic world i haven't seen that either so why did you just go straight in with fallen kingdom uh because i just had a, i had the pass in it i just thought oh, i was out oh. let me watch it <laughs> fair enough i think jurassic park the first OG one is the best, mm. but still interesting. I, I, maybe I need to rewatch them to kind of because this is this is like the end game one, isn't it? Dominion, where yes. everyone's in it. Um, yeah, cool. Um, what would you give it out of ten? Um, I would probably give it. 
I'll give it a strong eight out of ten. I did. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Ooh, okay. Yeah. Jack will appreciate something getting over a seven. <laughs> um, I will yeah, say, I think... well, sorry, I just want to scoot as well. They're, I think the character that Wayne Knight plays, um, who's like the guy who kind of like tries to betray John Hammond, I find absolutely hilarious. And that guy's demise brought me so much joy. I just want to say that. <laughs> it's also got Sam Jackson in it. Which is cool. It does. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he's he's in like all of the biggest, you know, blockbuster films. Anything that grosses over a billion, Sam Jackson's in it. Literally. He needs to, like, I hope he's getting, like, percentage of the profits of this because yeah. it's mad. Um, <laughs> he's in, like, Star Wars. He's in, you know, Marvel. He's in Jurassic World. Oh, Jurassic Park, sorry. Yeah, crazy. But it's always held up as one of those absolute kind of family classics. Mm. You know, it will always get five stars whenever it's kind of reissued. Mm. Um, Listen, so we call it a family classic, but there's some moments in it that, are like for me, were genuinely quite scary. <laughs> to be honest, I was like, right, like, I can't believe children were watching this. That's and kind like, of Spielberg's wheelhouse, though, isn't it? Like, mm. it's certainly from the, you know, his his early earliest stuff. You know, the Amblin kind of style thing. Mm. That was very much. It was like Indiana Jones. Like, we'll scare them, but it's it's not horror. Well, kind of some of it is, but it's very P. Well, somehow it gets away with being PG. Um, which I think is always it's a very strong PG. Um, although I think Steven Spielberg is the reason the PG thirteen exists in America. So, oh, right. yeah, because uh, I think it was one of the Indiana Jones films because they initially had just PG or fifteen, well R, and um, then they were like, hmm, well, Indiana Jones is a family film, but it's too scary to a PG so we'll give it an R and then they're like no 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 we need something in between I feel like that's right I might be completely talking out my ass but what does the R in rated R stand for? Restricted oh, restricted. so you have to be 17 or older or accompanied by an adult if you're under 17 right. but I don't know if there's a minimum which uh, yeah I don't know just just put a, like a number on it you know what I mean mm. Makes it, I mean what is even a PG 13 like if you're 13 do you need a mum and dad, or mm. who cares? Anyway, right. Well, what's what's uh, is there anything coming out in the next week that we're going to discuss, or is the next big one going to be Doctor Strange two? Um, yeah, I think well, obviously, yeah, that's going to be the next big one. I think I want to see Operation Mincemeat at some point. Um, <laughs> one of the, one of the worst titles for a film. Yeah, it's not great, is it? <laughs> like even well, if the Operation was the name. You know. Yeah, but just call it something else. Like <laughs> it sounds like bolognese. I mean, Operation Bolognese. <laughs> um, yeah, I want to see that. Uh, it looks in- interesting, and again, it's something I don't know anything about. So we can see what's going on there. And I think we were saying we want to go see um, the unbearable weight of massive talent, which looks like a laugh. I won't lie. Yeah, it's Nick Cage literally being Nick Cage, mm. but yeah, it's kind of like Jeff Goldblum in. Ragnarok. That's peak Goldblum. <laughs> cool. All right, and then you know we've got another episode of Moonlight coming up, so hopefully there'll be some cool twists and turns in that. But um, other than that, please do follow us on social media. We're on Twitter at why uh, your average no we're at YC podcast seventeen, aren't we? And we're on Instagram as your average critics. Peace. You got to say keep it sexy. Oh, I'm sorry. Keep it sexy, guys. Yeah, right. Now, now we can end. <laughs>